If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be confusing as all fuck, and here's why. In this episode, we get some answers to how do we put characters in a great maze without making the players feel hopelessly lost. And what details are needed to run a maze that satisfies your dark labyrinthian desires. (laughs) And how different can mazes be while still fitting the formula of a great maze? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother Jordan. And we have returned <laughs> from the Christmas funk. We have risen from uh, the icy depths of our Canadian landscape. Yeah, that's what did it. <laughs> we just went outside. Hey, we didn't take a break for our own personal well-being and, and mental health. We literally just got frozen. <laughs> That's what happens every winter here. You just have to go through a, a short hibernation, and you come out better. <laughs> it uh, There's a lot of booze involved. Like a bear. Yeah. <laughs> like a boozy bear. <laughs> you have to drink all the booze you need for the winter season in advance. <laughs> Anyways, that's weird. And really, we had uh, a nice time off. Thank you very much for providing that to us and not sending us any death threats or dead animals to our doorstep. Yeah, that was a bonus. And thank you genuinely for coming back and listening to this. Yeah, but we did uh, get plenty of cyberpunk in. That was that was fun. Absolutely. Put Learned off all some... of our needs for gaming. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it's, uh, d- there was no R&R. There was no rest or relaxation. There was up until 4 a.m. playing cyberpunk. Yeah. All right. (laughs) We did not do what we set out to do. But today we are talking about labyrinths and mazes and the like. And the word nerd in me must point out that apparently labyrinth isn't even what we're running in D&D. Because a labyrinth is just a long single path that takes you to the middle. And mazes are the ones that have different turns that make you go, which way shall I go? You find a dead end, and you find a skeleton, and you turn around. So really, the only point of a labyrinth is just to make a long journey longer. Yes, and to be a peaceful place for self-reflection in some circles. I love getting lost in self-reflecting. That's really what triggers most of my self-reflection. What have I done with my life? (laughs) Peaceful (laughs) self-reflection, not anguished. Well, here's an unpopular opinion. Mazes are dumb. (laughs) No, they're not. Mazes are a pain in my ass. Mazes can be fun. You just have to frame them a little bit differently. Mazes are simply an adventure environment. Huh. They're not the adventure itself. I will agree with you that if the only thing you're bringing to the table as a DM is a maze, then it's dumb. Mazes need to be approached a little bit differently because I've seen numerous conversations around this topic brought up before, and usually it was like, hey, what traps or things can I put inside a maze, or how do I make sure that uh, players feel adequately lost and hopeless 
uh, but also make it fun for them. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if the two go together. Right. I don't know if it can be done. Because everyone thinks about that lost and hopeless feeling when it comes to mazes, but human beings generally don't want to feel lost and actually hopeless. Hopefully, you're not going to ditch because that's all you wanted was some fun maze ideas. But if you do stick around, by the end of this episode, you might actually think about mazes a little bit differently. You just got to let us explain what we're scheming up over here. <laughs> and the first question to ask is, are mazes actually fun, like you were saying? No. <laughs> well, let me explain why I think they're kind of fun. Travis episode done, wrapped up. He's leaving. But... <laughs> In real life, mazes are kind of fun because they challenge our human sense of direction, our ability to recall the turns and to estimate the direction we're going. But that is not replicatable at the table. So throw that whole concept out. Whenever I get into real life mazes like corn mazes, I get about three minutes in and it's every man for himself. <laughs> I start using children as human shields and... He becomes the horror of the maze. <laughs> very quickly i mean what i think of when i think of mazes are those stupid paper mazes and i don't think i've ever finished a single one no they're awful like, like when i was learning to make letters i maybe finished one or two <laughs> when you were so stupid you couldn't tie your own shoelaces <laughs> that's when mazes were fun yes that's another hot take kids are just stupid <laughs> but the proof for this if you're saying no right now is Google Maze and solve a few just right now while you're listening. I'll bet you can't do it. Yeah. I, I know that I couldn't. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. I would make it about five seconds into one. I go, this is stupid. This is pointless. I tested myself on this in preparation for this episode and I couldn't do it. I was trying to prove myself wrong and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that there's no tension or challenge. There's just time and inevitability is that... You know, even if you try to not see the overview and you try to just take it one turn at a time, it's just, uh, okay, this is a dead end. Turn around. Let's go back. I'll finish it eventually, but there's nothing that's going to happen from here to there. So why in the hell do people want to use mazes in the first place if we have established that they're stupid? Well, because we associate them with great stories and legends and movies that we've seen and those are exciting things. Those have a lot going on that makes us think, mazes must be fun. I mean, if you travel through a maze long enough, then you'll get to meet David Bowie in a yeah. skin-tight uniform. And What kind of magic <laughs> spell to use? All right. <laughs> I'm cutting that one off. Mm -hmm. um, but like some of my favorites, I, I don't know why. I'm not much of a horror guy. I do not like a lot of horror films. I don't readily watch them, but it seems like all I can ever talk about on our show is <laughs> the horror genre. The horror genre. But The Cube and 13 Ghosts are two of my favorite horror films, and both of them involve mazes. Yeah. But are they about the maze and the solving of the maze, or are they about what happens in the maze? No, and to be honest, like, they're kind of bit parts like the cube is all about the psychology of the people that are inside the maze and bringing out uh deep-seated things that sit underneath the surface and people's behaviors and and their personalities in stressful situations and 
you know, 13 ghosts is really just like, it's, it's a, a bit part on some page on page 50 of the script that says like, Oh yeah. Also the house shifts. Yeah. Cool. That's neat. That's like another element. That's to... an interesting environment that they're in. Yeah. Which is my point. And even in labyrinth, which is arguably the most m- true to maze movie that I've seen. And, but if you think about it, it's still not about her finding her way through the maze. It's about things that happen to her within the maze. But at no point do we see like an overview of the maze and see her progress through. Yeah. It's about her accomplishing her quest, which has a maze between her and that. And arguably, like she never even takes a wrong turn. She just keeps making her way forward. (laughs) Yeah. It all feels like progress. She never hits a dead end and sits there for 20 minutes of screen time in agony over the fact that mazes are hard and they create anguish and make you feel bad. Well, to your own point, that's, uh, I suppose, why it's called Labyrinth. Um, (laughs) Anyways, moving on. Yes, okay, moving on. So you still want to run a maze. So do we. We just don't think you should try to sneakily run a maze without admitting it because we've tried some of the following and they just don't work. Don't simulate a maze by having the party blindly find their way through it. Yeah, that's just going to make a whole bunch of angry players. Yeah, that's like when you use a drawn map that only you can see as the DM and you ask the players which turns they take. Again, that's pretty much doing a paper maze without anything happening. It's slow and it even takes away player agency. They're not making meaningful decisions. And you might as well do a dungeon crawl because at least that's true to the origins of D&D. Whereas a maze feels like there is a definite goal. Whereas dungeon crawls were all about just meandering. And the, the reason this one's so bad is because the question, which way do you go left or right, is just not a good question. They've got nothing to go on. So they might as well just do whatever you tell them to do. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, obviously there is a right way, so just tell me. <laughs> it's also one of those things kind of going back to uh, some of our previous episodes on player agency and things like that uh, and failures is taking a million left turns and having half of them be wrong is not heroic. Again, it's just a question of inevitability. Yeah. So making something that the heroes can do or be heroic within the maze, now that's something a little bit different. But we can just say that it takes a long time to get through it. Done. Yep. You can have a couple of role-playing moments within that, and it's a lot better than this. And to your point... All lefts, don't let them use real maze-solving tactics. Because as soon as you admit that it's just a normal maze, the party sees it as a problem to solve. And there's a very easy way to solve a maze. You either use a string, which works. You get in and out with a long string, maze solved. Now you might as well not be in a maze once you got a string. <laughs> or you take all right turns or all left turns. And again, it works. takes a long time, but they're going to find their way through. Enough perseverance and they got it. You might as well not be in a maze. So what is the goal then of a labyrinth or maze-like game? To capture those wicked feelings that the maze movies evoke. The, the feeling that each turn could hold new threats or wonders. Well, going back to the cube and 13 ghosts, like those had nothing to do with the maze. They were about the people that were trapped within them. And learning and and uncovering stories like 13 Ghosts was all about learning what each of the ghosts did. And like that was a major point of the story, why they were captured and how they're being tortured. And whoa, 
There's so many different layers. What's going on here? There's story being uncovered as you move through the maze. And that story could have been uncovered in a maze or it could have been uncovered on a dirt road if they were just walking up to each ghost. <laughs> Both ways, <laughs> you still get the same story. Yeah. The maze is just an interesting set piece. I see what you're saying now. With that, you still need to give them a sense of progress throughout the maze because that's what those stories do. You never feel like they're stuck actually in the maze and you need to give them a sense of tension. That's the other feeling that we're trying to capture with being in a maze. So like there needs to be a reason that whatever goal they're trying to accomplish needs to be done so in a timely manner. So are they being hunted? Do they need to get the magic lamp to the Duchess before it implodes? <laughs> a magic imploding <laughs> lamp doesn't seem like it would do a lot of damage. Well, what if it implodes the universe? Okay. Maybe there's another adventuring group that's racing the party towards the goal. And to do these things... We'll get into this more in the strategy stateroom coming up. You really want to make the characters feel lost and against all odds so they can overcome that challenge, but not the players. Never the players. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot we can do to just say that your characters feel so turned around and they're exhausted and they're tired. Consume some rations. You've been in here for days yeah. without actually putting the players through days <laughs> of and days yeah. of turns. <laughs> It's the same reason that we don't play out every minute of long distance travel at the table either. <laughs> like, it's just not fun stuff. It doesn't stop people from asking how to do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to cover that one sometime too. But again, a maze is really just that unique environment. And if you plan it like any good adventure, it's going to be a really fun one. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into the meat in the strategy stateroom. So let's get over there now. Cool. This is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So we've talked about what we actually want to do with a maze, but how do we actually accomplish that within a tabletop role-playing game? I'm going to guess that you have some steps. You got it. Step number one, decide what adventure your maze is the environment of. Remember, you're planning an adventure and then putting it in a maze. Step number two, build your maze environment full of its tricks and wonders. <laughs> and number three, plan out the execution of that maze. All right. Well, let's start with your first step. So decide what adventure your maze is an environment of. Well, any adventure goal can really fit into a maze. Like a maze doesn't need to be its own thing. So deciding what adventure you're going to run really helps decide what elements you're going to focus on in the next steps. I mean, I definitely agree with this because you can tell a story of a, a king deposed of their throne that you have to get them back, but you have to hunt down the, uh, the documents that prove that this is the wrong king within the massive castle. Now, all of a sudden, that's a, that's a maze. Yeah. You can... And that could be a mystery of a maze. Like, yeah using our, our mystery building guide, you could have them following up on leads that uh, turn out to be false and lead them to the next maybe document location. You could have a monster uh, rampaging through uh, an otherworldly face type environment where every left turn seems to lead to a different place. And why does none of this environment make sense? Great. You've basically got the Minotaur in the labyrinth, but it's way more interesting yeah and if you really focus on the horror of that 
then you can check out our horror series called The Bones of Horror and really play up those elements. Or you could even have somebody who's gone missing inside a maze. Some devious, tricksy maze that has been concocted to disappear somebody. Mm. And if you add a bunch of uh, confusing elements in there that the party has to solve, you've got a puzzle maze. You could have a, a devious villain steal someone, kidnap someone that's close to your party, and then leave a whole slew of Riddler-esque puzzles. Yeah, and if you plan that maze as a puzzle adventure, we've got a series on that too called D&D Puzzles Suck, but puzzle games can make D&D better. Check out our strategies on building a puzzle adventure. Or you could just keep it really simple if you want to. Just put in some NPCs, obstacles, and give it a boss fight that unlocks the final door, and you've got a you know a quick one-shot adventure through a maze. What is interesting, though, is that, again, just to support the point from earlier, is that none of that has any labyrinth or maze-like properties to it. It just happens that this is an adventure that's happening inside a maze. And I know it feels like we haven't spoken on mazes yet. We're getting there. Because the next step is building your maze environment. So how do we build a wicked maze then? Well, I think... The Wicked Maze comes again from its story. So you start with the narrative reasoning of the maze. Who built it? Why did they build it? And how has it changed since being built? Because honestly, I'm kind of a player that likes to know that kind of stuff. And if I just stumble into a wildly concocted maze that has no reason for existing, it kind of breaks my immersion. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I think that whatever rationale or reason that a maze has to be built, like there's an underlying story there that is basically just great for world building. Maybe it's an area of the city that is maze-like and it's been built up over hundreds of thousands of years and those city streets just keep getting uh, reshifted and moved around because all of the buildings are so shoddily built that they collapse all the time and a new one is put up. And this shape has changed again. So the city's streets are cannot be mapped. In real life, a lot of us have been to cities that were just poorly planned, and they very much feel maze-like. I heard tale that Washington, D.C. is specifically maze-like and hard to navigate. Oh, throw off their foes. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Make them have to go through a maze to get to the White House. But there's so many interesting approaches that we can take to a maze that we really do, I like your point, we have to sit down and consider why does it exist in the first place. Uh, King Minos of the Minotaur legend had a reason to build this. Ins Honestly, if you look at it from the outside and you're like one of the family members, like the brother of King Minos, and you're like, hey, uh, so why are you spending hundreds of thousands of dollars building these weird circular <laughs> walls. Just I don't... Hear me out. A god had my wife uh, have a baby with a bull, and I don't like that bull baby. So I want to <laughs> trap him in a maze. I hate my bull baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's when brother-in-law just backs away. It's just like, hey, dude, whatever you want to do with your Saturday, that's fine by me. You have fun. I asked too many questions. <laughs> All right. 
So the next step is building some kind of interactive elements. So once you're inside the maze, again, navigating the maze is boring AF. There's no reason to take a whole bunch of left turns. We've just described NASCAR. (laughs) (laughs) And we all know how boring NASCAR is. Need some crashes to spice that up. Exactly. Like there's, we need some interactive elements. We need some tires flying at us. (laughs) So this is where some of that classic maze building stuff comes in. It's like what traps are going to be here? What NPCs are going to be here? And that's based on kind of the flavor that you're cooking up in the first place. Like, is it that city or is it a magical fairyland? They're going to be very different traps and very different NPCs. Yeah, so we definitely need to spend some time on cooking up one or two or three traps, a couple of NPCs. We can do that with the exact same story system that we always use that is a download on our website. And we just have to plan out a couple of different NPCs, a couple of different obstacles, and away we go. Because again, a maze is just a setting for your story so we can write a story and create those those interactive elements. And to bring it to the next level, you then plan some game-changing events. What's going to happen that will change the timeline of their goals or increase tension when they're in the middle of that maze? Like it's kind of that, okay, we're getting the hang of it now. We understand how this maze works and then you ramp it up. So that's where we would introduce things like the timeline or the time crunch that they have to try to adhere to. If you're in a horror, that's where you introduce the monster that's going to be hunting them for the rest of the time. And it's like, oh, shit, we got to stop, you know, opening every chest (laughs) that we see and boogie. Yeah. Maybe you're going through that fey land uh, with the goal of trying to find some healing herb that you need to, to heal an NPC back on the material plane and that person's time is going to run out. Now we're talking Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's when we have to save Henry Jones Sr. Yeah. For his uh, his gut shot wound from that nasty Nazi. And Indiana Jones has to overcome some traps and puzzles. Very good. I like it. We got a maze. And the third step is to plan the execution of that maze. And this is where we get into what mechanics you're actually going to use to explore it. I need to figure out what mechanics to use for a maze. That was my starting point, and I kind of thought that's all I needed to run a maze. But again, if you're starting with the adventure and the fun of it and the character building part of it, then whatever mechanics you use are just there to get you to the next part of the adventure. They're not the whole thing. Yeah. And the simplest way I think you can do this is to just do a, a D&D skill check, which I'll explain in a second, but... If the players succeed on it, then they get to the next part of the adventure that you've got planned. That's progress. And if they fail, then they get to the next NPC or trap that you planned out already. So if I was a DM, then really what I'm doing is I'm planning three steps to my story and then three not steps to my stories, but interesting encounters. And And they could easily sidestep those interesting encounters by making good rolls and progress with the story. But once they don't, they get an interesting encounter and they get whittled down a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, I'm all for whittling down players before they get to the big bad. Like, I never want them showing up feeling full of strength. They got to feel <laughs> like the deck is stacked against them a little bit. And They've that's, been through some shit. Yeah, that yeah. adds the heroism. So really, once you run out of those little side 
traps, NPCs, challenges that they're going to encounter, once you run out of them, then it's only story. So you don't have like a D100 list of a million traps for your players that it is just pure random chance whether or not they make it through this thing. And they might never literally get out. (laughs) (laughs) It could be hundreds of rolls before they ever get out. Yeah, that's not my idea of fun. Like, based on how long you want them to spend in the maze, like maybe three to seven. See, and what I like about that, too, is you're actually putting some effort into those three. Yeah. If the players skip it because of some great rolls or some awesome skill checks or some bonuses that you're giving them because they're using their skills to navigate this treacherous place, awesome. And really, you haven't lost a lot of time. You know, it took you five, ten minutes to plan out that one encounter that wouldn't be a main part of the story, but would whittle them down a little bit. Yeah. Just as a, you know, just fleshing out the maze. Yeah. Yeah. That means I can actually put some effort into trying to tell a story, even with the sidesteps. Yeah. And I mean, it is a maze, so you do need a few sidesteps. Yeah. It can't just be that straight track. You know, use different mechanics if you like. Whatever mechanics you do choose, the important thing to remember is that they're a tool to help run your game and facilitate the story. They're not the game itself. Which is exactly what we're kind of fighting against here. Because typically when you do come across folks that are asking for, hey, what do I do about this maze? I want to run a maze for my players. Uh, Should I use a D100 table? Should I use, does anyone have a mechanic? For whether or not they turn right or left is good or bad. And that's exactly the opposite (laughs) of what you typically want to do with a maze. That's going to make players feel like they're just lost and never going to get out of this thing. Yeah, and it's not a great place to be on the other side of the table. So what about some narrative details for the exploration? I think this is where the maze truly shines. Because if you give it just a couple of elements that you flavor however you want, then it'll always feel like a crazy shifting maze. A maze that'll never fully make sense to you. So the first thing is a shifting nature. This keeps players from treating it like a normal maze, which we were talking earlier about being a bad thing, and it still lends to that feeling of a confusing maze. So an example of that is like, in an ancient dwarven maze, the walls are constantly grinding open and closed, revealing new sections See, I like that. That's the 13 ghosts maze. And it means that the players aren't idiots if they don't figure it out. Yeah. If they can't make their way through it, it's because this was never meant to be escaped. And if they do escape, which they will, because they are following (laughs) a story, which you, the DM, has carefully crafted, they are going to feel like badasses because they're going to come across people, uh, the skeletons, the corpses of the people that have given up inside this ever-shifting terror maze. Yeah. What I love about it, too, is that it immediately discourages those standard maze practices. Like, okay, forget the string. We're going to have to, you know, be adventurers here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the string, the thread, grandma's twine is not going to (laughs) work. And again, the flavors you can add to this are so great. Like, in an abyssal hell maze, small demons are constructing and destroying new walls out of living materials. Ew, barf. God, that's gross. (laughs) Thank you. But it's evocative, right? It is. It's there. I'm with you. Um, uh, Well, you know, in our Feywild, there's, you know, plants or, or just time 
that moves differently. Like every time, if you were to circle a tree, you'd be in a different place when you got around to the other side. <laughs> That's the kind of crazy shit that belongs in the Feywild. Yeah. And then the other thing you want to do with your narrative details is give it a confusing layout, which is kind of what you're just talking about. So like, yeah, the chunks of time are drifting by as you come to what seems like the same dead end time after time. Is it slightly different? Maybe. It seems impossible to be here, yet here you are. And I guess this goes, uh, you know, back to my hatred of puzzles, is don't leave this up to the players to figure out. If there is some way to break the time loop or whatever interesting structure that you have here, make it a skill check. Don't make it an actual puzzle that people have to figure out because that will piss me specifically off. <laughs> <laughs> but have the players, you know, it, it, they have a skill for a reason. Use the skill. What did they figure out? The wizard made an arcana check and now knows how to slow that progressive time or knows how to make sure that once you make that full loop around the tree, that you are still in the same place when you come around to the other side. So it's slow and it's, you know, problem solving, but it's all based on their real world skill checks. And doing it that way just continues to give that sense of progress while still giving that sense of confusing as shit. So before, <laughs> so before we recap, give players the feeling of being in a maze. I think that's how we can summarize this whole thing is really it's all about evoking the emotions and the feelings of being lost, but never actually building in mechanics where you just constantly Are turn lost. away. Yeah, constantly lost. Never have any hope as a player of getting out of it. Yeah. You want the players to be able to role play that hopelessness. You don't want to actually have the players feeling hopeless. And then inversely... <laughs> using the character's skills to get them out, not the player's ability to think through your mind-twisty, convoluted, convoluted something <laughs> that somebody said you should try and do on Reddit. That you're just sitting on the other side of the DM screen, uh, tenting your fingers and waiting for them to solve your <laughs> maze. Now, we wish you luck in building a maze. So what are those steps again? Decide what adventure your maze is the environment of. Build your maze environment and plan the execution of your maze. And if you need help, what this all boils down to is that you can go and you can download the story planner that's on our website because weirdly enough, all of it is still in there. Go figure. You're still <laughs> trying to tell a story within a maze. So you can use the story builder. It's that form fillable PDF that you can find in the resources section on our website. And that will give you all the pieces that you need to run a maze. You might throw a couple of little sidetracks in there, but ultimately, all of it is still there. All right, mazes are starting to sound pretty fun. So let's go to the kinship camp and create some specific mazes. This is kinship camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventures around the safety of the fire. All right, so we're going to talk about some different flavors that would inspire some great mazes. Because that's the part that sometimes you think, I got all the ingredients together, but how do I actually start thinking about it? I need 
some inspiration. And we need to go through the steps in proper order uh, because systems need rules and we need to arrive at something that I think both of us would feel comfortable running. So let's see if we can put our money where our mouths are. Yes. <laughs> and build something that's functional. Not just anarchy. Well, you touched on something a little bit earlier that I thought was really good. The Feywild mystery. Yeah, I think it would be super fun to run a maze in the Feywild of Dungeons and Dragons, which is basically just super magical place. There's beings there that you can't guess as to why they do the things they do, but it's often very whimsical. <laughs> well, then to borrow a, uh, a bim-bam phrase, no wrongs, just right. Yeah, everything there is fine. It's easy to explain because they're weird-ass fairy creatures that made the decisions. There's no rules. You just you go with whatever feels fun Yeah, and crazy, and the crazier it is, the better it is. And I think running a mystery there would be kind of easy because, again, you don't really have to think it through super logically from a DM perspective, mm -hmm. but it can still be a good mystery. Yeah. So, Feywild Mystery Maze. So, what's the overall pitch here? Okay. So, I'm thinking, what if you got an Archfey, one of the rulers of this place, that's hosting a game show type event? <laughs> <laughs> with mortals already great yeah so the idea is the party will keep moving through the maze finding clues that will lead them closer to the truth of this whole thing until they uncover this reality and find their way out well i love that it's already a game show which kind of requires rules in a place that requires no rules <laughs> yeah that's true i i can feel that this game show is going to be really fair and i think the way out of this place that they eventually discover could be quite simple to the point where it's just imagine an exit and there it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So we're going to torture the players with the simplest of ways out. Yeah, but they'll have to go through an entire mystery to get there. So we need some narrative reasoning. Yeah. And I think you've kind of already touched on it. You know, an Archfey built it in order to entertain, I don't know, the inhabitants of the Feywild. Like this is, it's a game show. So I'm assuming somebody's watching it. Exactly. You've got all kinds of fairy creatures watching it. And maybe it's even had many mortals attempt it before, but nobody's actually made it through. So when mortals don't make it through, maybe they're not given a return to their mortal plane, but they end up as entertainers on different Feywild programming. <laughs> so that could be like Good. a recurring thing in your Feywild campaign <laughs> or your world. There's just one channel that tunes into the Feywild, and <laughs> it's always bonkers. Something buck wild. Okay, so some interactive elements that kind of keep the players on their toes. Yeah, so we need some NPCs, some people that are in there doing something, and some traps. So maybe there's a previous contestant that has managed to blend into the surroundings and hide, just never get caught by the <laughs> Fey that are watching. I like that because I love a DM guide or a DM PC that can kind of help the players because, I mean, that's the first thing that I do as soon as I encounter any kind of even the least bit of resistance. I just get frustrated and throw my hands up. <laughs> so having a DM PC kind of guide me through like, okay, I know this sounds crazy and there's very little rules to it, but here, let me as the DM through a NPC tell you the rules of this place. Yeah. You need some vehicle for exposition. So a 
an NPC like that would be really, really helpful. And the occasional prompt when the players are sitting there and it just the table just hits a, a lull because nobody knows what to do next. Yeah. Just jump in there with that NPC. Totally. And on the confusing side of things, you could also have multiple fey creatures that are just there to confuse the crap out of the party, blinking in and out of existence or trying to throw them off or introduce new rules. Well, our session planner has a spot for three different NPCs. You know, it's got, and specifically those NPCs are, the first one is not all that helpful. It like tries to drive you away from the story. And then the second one is kind of surly, but kind of brings you back into the story and makes sure that the players are on the right path. And then the third one is, and so like having even multiple NPCs, like you're talking about, one is there, it's been inside the maze forever. It's trying to help because it's a fake creature and maybe it's like, this is its home, but it realizes that these people do not belong. Let's try and get you out of here. And then the other ones are actively trying to keep you in because they're minions that are in disguise, that are, you know, using polymorph to become humans that are trustworthy, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And a couple of well-placed or well-timed insight rolls might help the players figure that out. And it doesn't have to be a whole thing. It just has to feel alive with multiple NPCs. Just as far as those feel-alive details, you could also have some fake creatures that maybe are part of the game show. They just pop in to say, gotta jump through on one foot. (laughs) Ten minutes. I want, you know, like uh, in The Price is Right, where they have... The, the ladies in the nice dresses presenting the lawnmower <laughs> that maybe you could win. I want some other fake creatures like that that are just standing there kind of presenting yes. something. Just a lawnmower. Yeah. Just a plain <laughs> lawnmower. The party's just like, what? <laughs> I guess we have a lawnmower now. <laughs> a ride-on lawnmower <laughs> that helps them solve one of the traps. Yeah. So oh, what have you good. got for, for game-changing events or traps? Well... I think that the traps in this kind of environment would be more about putting contestants in different entertaining scenarios for the audience rather than just trying to kill them. Okay, so we don't have to go for the jugular. We can just annoy the players almost. Yeah, well, not annoy. (laughs) Entertain. Entertain the players. Well, sure, but like, what is the point of this? Well, it's for entertainment's sake. Yeah. So the fact that there is no... like. It's not a trap that's meant to kill the players. It's it's not protecting any kind of treasure. Right. It's it's an annoyance. It's like, <laughs> why is this even here? What are we doing here? Why are we in this space? And the closer they get to that truth, the better it'll become even oh, for yeah. the players. Yeah. Yeah. But you could have like a gravity-free bouncing room trap, which again, I think trap is the wrong word for these, just environments. Yeah. You could have hallucination plants. When they get too close, they start spewing off some kind of uh, hallucinogenic that makes them imagine maybe a certain thing. I like that. You could do size-changing spores from some kind of mushrooms. Except the mushrooms have arms, and they're forcing their way into your mouth. They're (laughs) climbing in there. (laughs) But they're super jolly about it. (laughs) Here we go! (laughs) Cannonball! (laughs) Woohoo! As the players are sleeping, they all wake up super tiny because these mushrooms have forced their way into their open sleeping mouths. 
and one of my favorite ideas, uh, definitely go down the polymorph avenue, but you could maybe have pressure plates that transform you into animals or fruit. Interesting. Just get weird with it is my point. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And then as far as game changing events, I think if the Fae become bored, they would start transforming the party into different materials uh, just to keep things fresh and moving, like maybe wood or gelatin. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, you just like, if things are slow, you're not actively moving things as the party, then st- weird stuff starts happening. Okay. As far as game-changing events, I also want some NPCs that act as commentators throughout the entire thing. Like, they yes. can see everything that's happening. I think for this, I would really want some kind of commentators, like uh, MXC vibes from the American take on Takeshi's Castle uh, with their, their two commentators, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. You remember that? <laughs> I didn't watch much of that, I don't think. But <laughs> Well, it had two uh, commentators that were dubbed over uh, the original actors who were in this show, uh, Vic Romano and Kenny Blankenship. And I want to do like Faye twists on those names. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Those are great names either way. What else? Well, just keep peppering in the weird stuff. Like some ideas that came to mind when thinking of this. A chihuahua-sized creature made of mushrooms floats down to you and asks what the sun feels like. <laughs> floats away down a new pathway that just opened up for you. So it's like things huh. that are changing the maze like okay. we talked about. Yeah. Yeah, constantly shifting, constantly moving. Maybe you're walking down a seemingly normal pathway hedged in by thick trees. It feels like you're walking down a steep hill, but after nothing changes, you're struggling with every step on a steep incline. All of a sudden, you're pulled off your feet and you fall up against the same path. Hmm. Interesting. I almost feel like this whole place should be constantly moving and shifting like we were talking about. Yeah. But like the dead end following you and like closing in behind you, constantly cutting off your retreat. Yeah. Which could add a little bit of that like stressor to it because we know what the eventual conclusion is. If we know that the players, all they have to do is think about a way out, then we can add some of these stressors that might actually help them arrive at that conclusion. <laughs> yeah. And that'd be pretty fun, honestly, if it they came to it naturally. But yeah, I think that would be so fun to run because it doesn't matter what you do. Well, speaking of stressors, what if we did a maze based on like a hell, hellish landscape, horror-esque vibe? Absolutely got to get into some of that dark shit. I want to take that, I mean, of course, even though I don't like horror, my mind always goes here, but I'd be really interested in seeing a little bit more of what we could do in the traditional vein of mazes. You know, I feel like the the labyrinth, the minotaur, all of that kind of stuff lends itself really well to horror. So taking a different slant on that whole thing. Almost its polar opposite. Yeah. Yeah, so here's kind of what I'm thinking for a setup. So a friend of the party gets put inside a maze. Okay. Gets kind of disappeared. This person, because again, I love a good DMPC, is a code cracker that I've given my players so that they don't have to solve their own fucking puzzles. 
Yeah, okay. Because you uh, you hate solving puzzles. I hate solving puzzles. <laughs> Therefore, I'm going to do the good thing, the righteous thing, the noble thing, and give my party a way out. A way out of some of the <laughs> ridiculous puzzles. And then I don't even have to come up with conclusions to the puzzles. I just go like, this is a crazy puzzle. Maybe you should take it to your friend in town that can crack codes. <laughs> he loves cracking codes. So, yeah, this truly good person made a deal to save someone with an immortal fiend. And now they have been trapped in a torturous labyrinth, no longer available to the party. Shit, we got to get our code cracker back. Yeah, they'd be kind of unable to crack the riddle uh, of you know getting out without them, so they have to find them, they have to get them out. Because the maze doesn't have the logic that a normal puzzle might have. Well, I think that's definitely the, the route that I want to take with this is because it's a code cracker that's being put inside this maze as a torture method, none of it makes sense. None of it follows the actual rules. Okay. Yeah, because a fiend would put you in the place that was the worst for you. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And now the players have to get in there. And who knows? I mean, if they're truly heinous at solving puzzles like I am, um, maybe they would actually find themselves right at home inside this (laughs) labyrinth with no rules. So, yeah, I think the the narrative reasoning here is just that it's a living construct that was built just for this person, just to drive them off the deep end. It feeds off of intentions. So putting thought into how to escape this maze makes the maze bolster itself against your potential. It's responding to your efforts. Exactly. Those are some of the coolest characters and villains in stories in in my opinion the ones that adapt to the hero's attempts to stop them oh totally like uh what is it metallo that can constantly superman's nemesis that is fueled by kryptonite and constantly (laughs) improves himself to fight superman yeah there you go that kind of stuff is always really so yeah interactive elements well if we're talking about a hellscape Maybe you could do, I, I I always go to the hallucination stuff, but uh, <laughs> maybe you could have like a lake of hallucin a lake of hallucination acid. Interesting. Okay. That's two very different <laughs> things, but let's, let's see where you're going with this. Well, you hallucinate different safe pathways over the lake by inhaling the fumes and the ones that look blocked by devils and demons and fiends are also illusions. Okay. Maybe once the uh, the players made an arcana check to see through the illusions, they would see the right path kind of thing. I see. Hmm. Something in that vein. What I like about that, too, is that if one or two of the players make that check, now they're leading yeah. everyone else through. Like, they're the heroes of that particular encounter. Or the others are still role-playing, seeing fiends. Yeah, and not, not knowing which way. Like, no, we cannot go that way. <laughs> Do you see what's ahead of us? No, no, we made the arcana check. Do you see check. that fire whip? I'm not getting in the way of that. <laughs> Any NPCs that come to mind? Well, I think that, uh, I mean, there's a few different things that kind of come to mind. First of all, like some lost soul that is truly trying to maybe help them. You know, again, those different types of NPCs. Yeah. So we've got a lost soul that really does empathize with them and is maybe the previous inhabitant of this maze. Like it's been recycled. There's people, okay. there's other people that like puzzles. I mean, even devils uh, are economical yeah. <laughs> about their traps. We're not going to build a whole new maze. We're going to put, 
and I would also probably add like fiends and devils are going to inhabit this place. So I would wholeheartedly imagine that this is a great opportunity to, you know, all of those tragic backstories that players always provide. Oh, everyone that I've ever known has died horribly. Well, <laughs> this is the time to bring those people back. Okay. As guides, Ooh. but also torturous spirits and maybe even devils in disguise that are purposely trying to upset them and destroy their psyche. Wonderfully twisted. Yes. Great. I think another NPC that you might have to include in here, just because it's uh, their nature, is one of these devils that might offer them a way to get what they want out of the maze to save the person in exchange for something huge. Yeah. Yeah. A soul, definitely. But, hey, I'll show you where this code cracker is within this maze because they the party has to find their way to them and then has to find their way out. Right. So I'll bring you to them for one of your souls. <laughs> and then I'll get you out for one of your souls. And yeah. now they've just... That, that's economy of scale right there. You've gotten three souls for the price of one. <laughs> one soul led you five more. That's how devils do. Let's see what else we can upcharge them for. <laughs> can I interest you in luxurious shoes for the journey? <laughs> one soul, please. Um, so this is where we get into some uh, very interesting territory with game-changing events. Now, my only thought here was really... Uh, kind of a countdown clock to the maze. So nice. to add a little bit of that stress, add a little bit of uh, you know, a finite time that they can spend inside this hellscape is a countdown clock that will start from, I don't know, the beginning of the maze. So they start off in the maze and I can use maybe a dice or something like that to track kind of a, a countdown for my players. The minutes that they have to source out and find the code cracker in the middle. However, once this countdown clock has reached its eventual conclusion, a released is one of those devourer demons that, you know, holds people in, in the prison that is their rib cage. Ooh. And so now this thing is like lumbering along. And now we get into the true horror territory where they are seeing the evidence of people being consumed by this thing. Yeah, that's definitely a good option for the devil to put in that situation. But yeah, I do like the concept of in a horror maze, you need something hunting the party. Yeah. That's always like threatening them on the cusp of their awareness. And maybe they can hide sometimes, and maybe they can outrun it, but ultimately this thing will gather them, I guess. Uh, like, it really does kind of use that ribcage as a prison, and maybe once that happens, like, the first time this happens, we can really hit home that they might be dead inside hell. However, this is just a reset for the maze. So now the players have been consumed by this devourer, We've got a total party kill on our hands and they all wake up at the beginning of the maze again. Nice. So we can give that sense of like, oh no, this has gone absolutely horribly, but 
we have a little bit of flexibility because we're in hell. Yeah. Um, you know, and who knows? Who knows how that really ends? Because remember, death is not the worst punishment in D&D. Get creative. <laughs> but I also think it might be fun with that idea. If they restarted, they started... If when they restarted, they started uh, to form from nothing. So, like, their skeleton popped in first. Oh. And, like, their, their skeletons for a while and their muscles start forming. And Well, their eyes have to form first so that right. they can see yeah. all of the horror that is their bodies <laughs> being regenerated. <laughs> Ugh. Gross. I like it. You could even do some mechanical things with that if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. Any... Uh, narrative details for exploring this place things that are gonna give that feeling of everything changing and well i think there's there's lots of different ideas that you can kind of run with i think a lot of people have pretty clear ideas of what hell might look like but really i mean you've got hands on the walls you've got weird gross bugs you've got bugs with human faces you've got all that kind of stuff that you can just toss in there. Nasty biz. Yeah. And I, I would just throw it in near constantly. Um, you know, from a um, mound of souls that erupt like a volcano, uh, you know, just bodies and whales and and tortured spirits and, and recognizable faces from people from your past, like all of that stuff I would just pepper in. Yeah. Willy-nilly. Absolutely. Yeah, using the denizens of hell to shift the maze around. I kind of like the idea of using them just a bully in school or something like that. Somebody that just tries to make you flinch. That's the only thing that they're there to do. The denizens of hell are not there to kill you. You're already in hell. They would assume that you got there through natural means. (laughs) So therefore, they're just there to make your life horrible. Let make your life hell. Yeah, as the saying goes. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're constantly going to pull their punches. Very similar to the devourer. You know, it's going to consume them only to rebirth them and have them live it out all over again. You got to throw in just a straight up bully devil though. That's always like that's one of the main NPCs that shows up. He's just like sitting around chewing on bodies or something, and he he acts like a dumb bully. I just <laughs> like what's up. <laughs> Definitely Biff Tannen from yeah, yeah. Back to the Future. <laughs> I told you not to come to this hallway again. <laughs> uh, love it. <laughs> well, hopefully that is lots of ideas for... <laughs> we're going to stop while we're ahead, I think. <laughs> it just gives you the motivation to throw whatever flavor into this structure you want because it really isn't too tricky to work with anything you've got going on in your game either. No, and like we said, this is the session planner that's available on the website. It's essentially that. However you want to work a maze, it is not about the maze. It's about the feeling of being lost and not understanding the space that you're in and the ranger that has a favored terrain that always feels comfortable in the forest and knows their way this way and that through what feels like a maze, none of that matters here. Whatever we're doing in this maze, it's foreign, it's new, it's scary. It's terrifying to be in there. It's challenging in every way, shape, or form. And that's just the feeling that we're trying to get across. We're never trying to make the players go, 
roll high or low for <laughs> left or right. And maybe you make it, maybe you don't. We're going to keep going down this road until you realize that there's no way you can beat my maze. <laughs> until you roll enough good rolls to eventually escape this drudgery that is this maze that I've concocted. Uh, you know, or, or working it out on grid paper forevermore. Is it, which way is this one? Oh, there's a trap there. Okay, let's go back. Let's do this. That's not fun. It's the feeling of the maze that's fun. Yeah. It's that uh, that narrative to it. Because all the good movies cut out the maze part. <laughs> and that's not by accident. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening to this episode. I think we've kind of rounded it off. Um, share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with that DM that tried to run you through a <laughs> a challenging maze that one time. It was for you, Gary. <laughs> Gary, you you fucking had us work through a maze for three weeks. <laughs> three full sessions that I gave to your maze. And of course, let us know about your mazes and what cool shit you do with mazes. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to hear about all your successful stories of mazes. And the more we share these stories, the better we'll start to understand how to run good sessions with mazes in them. Yes. So we, we know we're not the only voice on mazes. <laughs> Give us yours. Yes, we would love to hear from you. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join the excellent community of players and DMs that are trading those stories on our Discord. Thank you to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects you hear in this episode. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and what drink. kind of magic spell to use. I mean, that's a D&D &D line. He's a goblin wizard.